Hello, it's Tina Anderson with Battleground Fitness. This is show number 19 of my Get Fit, Stay Healthy podcast, a program dedicated to providing innovative, user-friendly, action-oriented, and results-tested information for your mental and physical well-being. Speaking of well-being, I'm a little congested and I'm late on the podcast because I've been dealing with a sinus infection. So I apologize for the nasal sound, but I wanted to get this one out because I'm already late. Okay, so recently I took a hiatus to regroup and redefine my priorities. And just last month, I took my annual rest and recovery phase from working out. When is the last time you did either of those, especially the second one? And I don't mean a forced rest due to illness or injury, although either of those, and especially the latter, may be a clear indicator that you absolutely need a rest. We probably can all design and execute a killer hard workout, probably even several days in a row, but do we know how to properly recover from them so we can make gains in our fitness instead of regress or create a plateau? Ironically, we get stronger from recovery. We get stronger from resting. And that's the focus of this segment. What is a rest and recovery period? How do we do it and why? Let's start with basic weight training or resistance training and our muscles, where the key aspect of the recovery process occurs. In fact, this segment is centered mainly around muscle work and high-intensity exercise, but you can apply the concepts to all your workouts. Are you aware that a hard workout actually damages and traumatizes your muscles with tiny tears in their fibers? It's necessary in order for your muscles to grow stronger or larger. When the microscopic tears repair and rebuild, they become stronger, they come back stronger, and the muscle cells get thicker, which is what we call hypertrophy. Adaptation to this overload starts right after the resistance work, but it often takes weeks or even months for it to actually show. Thus, we can get impatient and keep pounding away, never giving our bodies a chance to recover. Not an effective way to train. And you can imagine that the harder you train, the more critical it is that you properly recover. In a September 4, 2009 web article entitled, A Strength Training Tip, Muscle Recovery, by trainer Gary Matthews, he explains, and I'm quoting, that during the recovery phase, more proteins must be laid down so that the muscles can contract more forcefully, and more energy-producing enzymes must be synthesized so that the muscles can work harder without becoming fatigued. Damaged structures, he says, need to be repaired to prevent more serious damage in subsequent workouts and to ensure that the next workout can be carried out effectively. This seems to be the basic premise of overcompensation, which is used a lot in these types of discussions. Matthews also points out that muscle fatigue should be gone before training again. Why? He says because training in a tired state increases the risk of injury. So your muscles get stronger and they develop an adaptation to the workout that you just did so that if you bring it back or add more, they're ready. And that's how they get stronger and sometimes bigger. So building recovery time into any training program is important because this is when the real training effect takes place. Some trainers believe that muscles take between four to seven days to fully recover from a workout and another two to three days for overcompensation to take place. So recover, get stronger, that's what they're talking about. 
Matthews believes it can take up to one to two weeks for the neuromuscular system to fully recover from a high-intensity strength training session. Not only that, some studies show that muscles are still overcompensating and getting stronger for up to 21 days after a workout. What does that mean in a practical sense? I could be wrong, but doesn't that mean that we could possibly reduce the time we spend working out and still achieve the same results? If we're talking about super high intensity work and especially weight training. As long as we are already conditioned, of course, and our diets remain the same. Interesting stuff. Uh, but then there's this. Researchers at McCaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, and the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis conducted research on some young male weightlifters. The results indicated that their muscles repaired the damage accrued from the workout about 24 hours after the workout. Repairing the damage means getting stronger and more fatigue resistant. About 36 hours after the workout, the whole process seemed to be pretty much over. Most weightlifters, including me, uh, have grown up in the gym under the 48-hour principle of rest for the same muscle group. Wow, great, so now what? That's the double-edged sword with research, right? Too much information. And, of course, it's conflicting. Just remember that there are tons of variables, too. Strength versus endurance athletes. I'm not talking about marathon runners here or triathletes or uh, cyclists, although the principle applies that if you go on a super hard training run or you're doing sprints or some sort of intervals, you've got to recover, right? Because your the muscles in your legs or some other place could be sore and fatigued. However, really looking more at the weight training aspect and the super intense workouts, uh, you have to look at a novice versus an elite or an advanced level person. We have to look at our age and sex. Men and women will recover differently. So I think the best and safest method is to plan on the 36 to 48 hours of recovery for an intense workout. And that, of course, depends on what it is. Walking and casual bike riding do not fall into this category, by the way, but an all-out interval-based crazy spin class or hardcore weight training certainly would. So please don't use this as an excuse to work out less unless you're pushing to max heart rate or max in the weight room. I'm talking lactate threshold, 90 to 95% max heart rate when you're really working hard. The kind of training that makes you want to give up your firstborn for oxygen or run out of the gym and collapse on the nearest open space. You've probably been there. You know what I'm talking about. It takes a lot of effort to work that hard so it takes just as much recovery to get strong from it. For the rest, we're probably fine working out five to six days a week, especially if we vary our workouts. But notice I said five to six days. One day for recovery from your normal workouts, please. And that could even be a leisurely walk if you're working out fairly hard in the gym every day. And don't forget, recovery is not only centered in the muscular system. Here's another reason why it's so important. The nervous, endocrine, and immune systems all need to recoup, too. The muscular and immune systems are interrelated, which means that the muscles produce chemicals which stimulate white blood cells. Recovery also allows us to replenish energy stores like muscle, glycogen, and fluid loss. So done right, muscle recovery should intrinsically enhance immune functioning as well. So if that's the case, then what can happen if you don't recover properly? And I will first acknowledge my bodybuilding friends and pro athletes who I know train incredibly hard several days in a row, snubbing many of the theories of recovery. Let me just say this. 
specialized nutritional aids, supplements, getting paid to perform, and steroids. Enough said. It's a whole different category. But from About.com, Sports Medicine, authored by Elizabeth Quinn, she explains that continuous training can actually weaken even the strongest of athletes. Rest days provide physiological and even psychological rejuvenation. We just kind of talked about that. In fact, not enough rest and recovery days can lead to overtraining syndrome, which can be difficult to recover from, from what I've read. Briefly, let's just talk about that for a second. I've read several articles about it, and from what I can see or tell, it's pretty hard to truly overtrain. You really have to push your training into the crazy land. Now, how might you know if you are overtraining? Decreased uh, sports performance or performance, feeling drained, mild leg soreness and general aches and pains, insomnia, and a feeling of general malaise, among others, says Quinn. I think it's easier than that. You know, really? Let's say you work out really hard six to seven days a week and you never take a break, really. Maybe very little. You wake up feeling kind of lethargic. Your workouts aren't going very well. And here are the two big ones. You aren't making progress and or you are plagued with injuries. Bingo! Survey says, take a break. You can also monitor your heart rate. In general, if your pace seems to be slowing down but your average resting heart rate is going up and you're experiencing other symptoms, you may be heading toward overtraining. And if you really want to use the heart rate monitor, Google this person, H-E-I-K-K-I, Heike, I guess, Rusko, R-U-S-K-O. And I found some work that she did with cross-country skiers. She uses what she calls the orthostatic heart rate test, and uh, it looks pretty accurate. So if you're really concerned, you could Google her and look up what she's doing. It does appear, though, that true overtraining syndrome can require several weeks of recovery. So, you know what? Let's just not go there in the first place. Okay, it is time to finally talk about recovery specifically. There is immediate short-term recovery from intense training, and there is long-term recovery that needs to be scheduled into your year-round training schedule. Both are important for optimal sports and fitness performance. Short-term recovery, sometimes called active recovery, happens right after intense exercise. For example, double or triple time recovery after intense intervals. And remember, we don't do those high-intensity bouts more than two or three times a week, right? Certainly not max training two days in a row. Remember the 36 and 48 hour rule. Recovery can also include low-intensity exercise, such as a simple cool-down phase immediately following even a moderate workout It's the cool-down phase in group fitness classes. It's the cool-down phase on a treadmill. Those are all fine as well. Both types, in fact, are important. Long-term recovery, the one most of us skip, refers to a period built into a training program. Could be days, could be weeks. This is also the reason, of course, we cross-train throughout the year. Recovery also includes proper sleep. Consistent lack of sleep can result in subtle changes in hormone levels, particularly those related to stress, muscle recovery, and mood. Other studies link it with decreased aerobic endurance and increased ratings of perceived exertion, or how hard you think you're working, but in this case, really aren't. And don't forget to replenish energy stores and fluids too. The eat right, stay hydrated aspect, you know, nothing you haven't heard a zillion times, My friends and fellow fitness enthusiasts, when you recover, your muscles, your tendons, and your ligaments repair, 
and chemicals that build up from cell activity during exercise are removed. This stuff is important. Recovery is important. In fact, I love Matthew's philosophy, uh, part of what he wrote in his uh, article on the web. Quote, the two main components of strength training are the intensity of the exercise and the recovery after the exercise. So what he's really saying is your rest days are just as important as your training days. By giving your muscles more time to recover between strength training sessions, uh, you'll be on the road to major gains in strength, muscle size, and, hello, 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 fat loss. Fat loss is still a part of this. So as a side note and as an important reminder, the more muscle you build, the longer recovery takes because you'll probably be training harder. So how does that relate to maybe a step class? Basic stepping, no muscle soreness, you pass. Calves and quads kind of sore, take a break. Don't take step until the soreness is gone. Let's say you did a, a kickboxing class and you're really sore. I wouldn't go weight training the next day. Take something else. Listen to your body. That's one of the cues and one of the messages I read a lot about recovery. You really have to pay attention. And here's another great part of this. If you do allow your muscles to adapt, well, we know what happens. They get stronger and more prepared for the next workout, and which is one reason why you don't get sore after you've done something a couple times. And you know what I'm talking about. If I were to go back to a kickboxing class, I would be sore in about four places. But if I let my body rest and then I went back again, I might be sore a tiny bit, but I pretty much guess by the third and fourth class, my body would have adjusted to a lot of it, gotten stronger, adapted. Okay, so for recovery, what else? Monitor your workouts with a training log. It's too hard to remember. I can't remember what I had for breakfast. And if you're not getting the results you want, you might need to decrease your total number of workouts and stagger intense trainings more effectively. In addition, optimize your recovery process with adequate nutrition. Already talked about this. But especially within two hours of a hard workout, those carbs and proteins. You gotta stay hydrated. Don't work out if you're sore. And be careful if you're tired. Especially those two together, bad combination, but you don't want to get yourself injured. You don't want to be in the gym stressed out and not focused. All these things make a difference. It really comes down to balancing exercise with rest and recovery. Short-term active and scheduled long-term. Watch your training volume, but more so your intensity and recuperation. If you really want some gains in the gym or if you want to be able to work really hard and burn a lot of calories and lose body fat, you want to grow your muscles, you want to tighten up, whatever it is, this all plays into the picture. What about just being able to work out consistently as hard as you want without that fatigue or plaguing injuries? Which gets me back to my opening. I took my annual break during our 11-day vacation, went for a 40-minute jog the last day around the cornfields in Vermilion, South Dakota, which was quite special, I must admit. Now, did I struggle? You know, I didn't. Did I struggle later in my workouts? I did struggle a little when I came home, but that's because I was on vacation while my rest was happening, so I was overindulging and my sleep patterns were way off. So next time I probably won't take my rest period during vacation, but it certainly is an option. Bottom line, it still felt great to give my body a break, and I know I have to do it, and so do you. So now you know that taking a break doesn't make you a weakling, my friends. It makes you stronger. I want you to think about it right now. When can you take a scheduled break and how are your recovery times short and long term? 
Okay, next month, learn about flow and unlock new keys to health and satisfaction in the October edition of GFIT. Until then, make good choices, set appropriate boundaries, spread some good vibrations in the world, find something to laugh about every day, and please manage your stress before it manages you. This is Tina Anderson with Battleground Fitness and Get Fit, Stay Healthy, asking you to do the same.